Lord Jesus, please bless the, the time we have here to learn from your word. Lord, I pray that doesn't stop here. Um, studying your word is not a, a Sunday morning time. It's not ideal. It's not a exclusive to Sunday morning. It's just something that we want to do daily. We want to hide your word in our hearts and, and meditate on it, to study to show ourselves approved. And so I pray that you would help us to, to take the little dose we have today and, um, and go forward and, and really desire to dig in more, to learn more. There's so much more. Thank you, in Jesus' name. So continue on in First Peter. We're going to actually re- rewind a little bit um, to the beginning. We're going to start at uh, verse 3 and just read through that before we get into the main content. And I'm going to try and be cognizant of the fact that we have some children, mine, <laughs> in here. Um, so it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And and by the way, as we read these, just some of these words are going to repeat, or the thoughts, the ideas are going to keep repeating. Just think about those words, and they just build on each other like bricks. Who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviest through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the peering of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. I think we'll not do so many transitions next time. (laughs) Anyway, uh, highlighting some thoughts here. Of which salvation the prophets have diligently, they, they required and searched diligently, or searching what manner of time. The Old Testament prophets, they were in a bit of darkness. They did not understand the idea of Christ or Messiah. They knew that there was a Messiah coming, but they didn't understand that. They, uh, according to Romans, were partly blind, right? Blindness in part has come to Israel. 
But they did search for salvation. They knew there was salvation. And we know it's by faith. Jacob said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. That sounds pretty sure, doesn't it? He seems to know that there is salvation in the Lord, right? Moses said, the Lord is my strength and my song. That sounds pretty sound, doesn't it? Does he know that Jesus Christ is going on a cross? He doesn't understand that. But he knows that the Lord is his strength and his song. He's become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Hannah said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. She knew too. Saul, King Saul, even he said, There shall not a man be put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. And he was numbered among the prophets, even though he wasn't the greatest guy. David said, And say ye, save us, O God, our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. And he also said, Salvation belongeth to the Lord, Thy blessing is upon thy people. And then there's a cool word, silah, meaning stop and think about what just, just happened. And so that's what we should do, right? Let's think about that for a minute. These guys, they didn't understand the fullness of the gospel, but they were searching for it. right? And that faith gets accounted to them as righteousness. God is so merciful and so gracious. So the prophets who prophesied the grace that should come unto you, they were prophesying for our behalf, not for their own, but for our behalf, weren't they? Because we are the ones that get to look back and see that Jesus came. They had to look forward and hope. So grace is a promise of God sending a Savior to Israel. That's what they were looking at, weren't they? God is going to send a Savior to Israel. Now, some of them got confused. They're looking for a different type of Savior. They're looking for a militant leader or some political person. So they kind of, some, some, many of them missed it. But they were looking for a Savior. And God choosing to include Gentiles in inheritance. I will send out my notes for this because my notes are filled with scriptures that define all of this. And you guys can... Hopefully take a look at that on your own time. Just It's just scriptures and scriptures and scriptures broken down into groups. Whoops. Um, but, but you get to see how many times God is talking about extending salvation to the Gentiles. And it's throughout the Psalms and it's throughout Isaiah and it's throughout many of the prophets constantly saying, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so much, all nations are going to give me glory that I'm going to inherit all nations, God's saying. So, so profound. In fact, there's two verses, Isaiah 11, 10, and 11, 11. I'm just going to read them because they are so good. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time 
to recover the remnant of his people. Sorry, I, I went to 11 right away. 10 says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign unto the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So there's a promise for us that the Gentiles will seek. And then it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. If you study islands, the islands are the isles of the Gentiles. Okay, So go back to Genesis. Those are Israel scattered all amongst us, right? Because they were scattered. It says, uh, or I wrote the note here, despite Israel rejecting the Messiah, he would still give them a second chance. See how he said? Second time. It's going to come a second time to recover the remnant of his people. Israel, did they not miss Jesus the first time he came? They missed him. There was a few Jews that were saved. But the, the Jew, the Jewish Judea population missed him. But he is so gracious that he's going to come back and draw Israel to himself. We see in Revelation, listing off the tribes that are saved. That's amazing. The end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The end of your faith, we know that salvation is by faith. That's okay. <laughs> it might be more entertaining. Salvation is by faith alone. We know that. It's by faith in Jesus Christ and his grace that he extends to us. It's not on our own merit. It's nothing we can do ourselves. And other, other constructive ideas to salvation is justification. We are justified by faith. Uh, uh, Romans 5, we're justified by faith. Um, Galatians 3, Romans 3. Uh, over and over again we see this idea and it's, it's quoting um, Haggai. Three, I think, actually. Um, but we are justified by faith. We are not justified for anything. We are undeserving, aren't we? I mean, we're, our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. We are unworthy to receive anything. It's because of the grace of our God, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the payment for our sins that we can be justified that we'd be forgiven of those sins, not only sins that we did, but sins that we are doing or will do, all forgiven. Sanctified. So not only did God save us and say, okay, I've got you saved, that's all done. He continues to make us more like his son. He continues to clean us. Wow. We're made righteous. And that's through faith. We are not only that, we are elevated to children of God. We were children of wrath before, destined to the lake of fire, destined to hell, destined to an eternity in the lake of fire. But we got adopted. We got grafted in. We read all of Romans 11 and see how we're grafted in, how Israel gets regrafted. We are adopted as sons of God. How amazing is that? We have an inheritance 
There's no inheritance for a non-son. You ought to be a son. Then you get part of the inheritance, and we get part of that. Who, who deserves the inheritance? Only Jesus. Who gets it? Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And believe on the Lord Jesus. That's the faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Whenever you read Acts 16.31, just remember to go back to Acts 16.30, which says, how can I be saved? And it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Sufferings and the glory that should follow. Sufferings of Christ. Well, did Jesus suffer for us? Because we deserved that, didn't we? We deserved the sufferings. We actually get sufferings too, because all believers are going to suffer to at least some degree, because Christ did, and we follow it in his footsteps. But the sufferings that we deserved, we didn't get, do we? we? The sufferings we get are because we choose to follow Christ and represent him. The sufferings that he got, he didn't deserve. Only we did. When, when Jesus first came, oh, I'm skipping a little part. Um, no, I'm sorry, I, I jumped ahead, that's my problem. Looking back at the scriptures, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The sufferings of Christ was his first coming. The glory that should follow is his second coming. I'll jump to suffering in a minute. Hopefully with the same zeal. <laughs> when Jesus first came, he arrived humble. He was raised lower class, demonstrated submission through baptism, preached repentance, and demonstrated his deity through miracles. He was falsely accused of men. He was tortured, beaten, and crucified. He descended to the heart of the earth, paying the fullness of our just deserves. Now, I think about that one. He's an eternal God. David said, there's nowhere I can go that you're not there. He says, even if I make my bed in the depths of hell, behold, thou art there. Jesus only had to be in hell for a moment to pay our price for eternity because he's eternal. Think about that one for a minute. Wow. Wrap your mind around the fact that that's how powerful God is. That's how amazing Jesus is. For a moment, he, he had to suffer all of that so that we, for the, the price on our deserves, was paid for for eternity. So that we can have eternal life. Rising again, conquering death, and glorifying him, his Father. There's a, a verse that says, um, Father, glorify thy Son, and that, that he will glorify you. It's in John, I think. I can't remember it. For me? John 17. His resurrection, conquering death, brought glory to the Father, did it not? Right? He rose and brought glory, which is a picture of glory to come. Whoops, I'm accidentally bumping buttons. Uh, and Jesus fulfilled some of the prophecies. Actually, when he reads the, the scriptures um, at, in the synagogue, he stops partway through a verse. He doesn't even finish reading it all because he's only fulfilling portion of it at the time. Right? He will fulfill it all when he comes again. And the real key to the gospel is not that it stops at Jesus ascending 
into heaven. It's not where it stops. The fullness of the gospel, the full mystery of the gospel being understood is that he's coming again. As he arrives as a king, and a king of kings and lord of lords, he's going to bring rest to the earth and to his saints. Remember, he's the lord of the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath? It's our rest. Where's our rest? It's in Christ. Best way to keep the Sabbath is to be going to that, that great day with the Lord, right? That is the ultimate keeping of the Sabbath, is it not? To be with him for a thousand years with rest. He's the king of kings. He comes with authority. He collects his saints and performs wonders in the harvest. There's a picture in Revelation of the angel that looks like the son of man. It's Jesus scooping up his church, right? That's so amazing. He's, he's supposed to cast in the sickle, and he brings them to himself. And we know that the fields are white and ready for that harvest, don't we? If there's ever a time, it's ready now. He's returning in the clouds, just as his disciples saw him ascend into heaven. He's coming in power and might and great glory. He conquers his enemy through the sword of his mouth. I, I was thinking about James for some reason. I've probably just jumped across the scripture, but remember James describes the tongue as a fire that catches the whole forest on fire. It's, it's so, he's really talking about how the tongue is dangerous. But on the flip side, like that's the Antichrist side. On the flip side, Jesus Christ is the word. And that comes from the mouth too, doesn't it? And his word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And it, and it pierces marrow, and it divides asunder. He's gonna, he says, when I return, I'm going to divide the sheep from the goats, didn't he? He's going to conquer all our enemies from his mouth, from his words. How amazing is that? doesn't have to physically raise his hand or, and beat on anything. It's all by his words. He's coming with the heavenly host and the saints. And guess what? We get to ride with him in that one, right? And he fulfills all prophecies. That is the fullness of the gospel. And there's no way those old guys understood that. They didn't see this whole picture, even though it was mysteriously painted for them. There was, there's the scriptures we look back on now and understand what it means, but they didn't see it. They didn't understand it. And now, because we're between Jesus' first coming and second coming, we have that clarity. And surely we'll be able to see even better on the other side of that. Right? We look through a glass dimly, but then face to face with Jesus, we'll be able to see things much better. We're still stuck in this awful flesh. Jesus came to save. First time he comes, he came to save. Forgive sins. Redeem from the wages of sin. He came to conceive us in Christ. It's by the Holy Spirit coming into our lives that we are now conceived in Christ. Being born again. we Notice the words that Peter uses, and it's coming up in verse uh, 23, that we are being born again. That's that's an action that continues on, right? Well, there's a time where we're going to cross over. That's the birth, the travail. We're not in that yet, <laughs> right? 
We're in the being born again. We're conceived. We're in the womb right now as Christians. Being born of the incorruptible word of God. So how much should we spend in terms of time in the word as we're developing, as we're growing in that womb? (laughs) Think about that for a minute. Given hope for eternal life. We're given access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen? He's our mediator. We're loved by God and comforted by the Holy Ghost. We are saints, sanctified by the Holy Ghost, and made righteous by faith in Christ Jesus. And we are a member of the body of Christ, fitly joined together. In fact, that's another being, fitly joined together, being. And we are sealed with a promise. But when Jesus returns, it's the fullness of the gospel. Because then we're delivered. Check that word out in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, but the Old Testament a lot. My deliverer. That's what we call a physician who gives, helps give birth, isn't it? Think about that. Why is God using the word deliverer? Because we're delivered from this world into the next. That's the completion of the birth. We are being, then we get delivered. Amazing. We're raised from the grave or translated from this world we're glorified, what I mean to say by that is, to expound on that, is you're either going to die, maybe even as a martyr, and you get to be with the Lord, or you get translated, rapture. Okay? Glorified with new bodies, that is going to be good. The church, the bride of Christ, we're given a, a new name. We're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to ride on white horses with Jesus. We're going to live in New Jerusalem. We're going to drink from the river of life. We're going to walk on streets of pure gold. We're going to have rest. And we're going to be co-heirs with our Lord and Savior. So the Spirit of Christ testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. Jesus was beaten and scourged. He had a crown of thorns. He had to carry the cross and he was crucified. I didn't put it in here, but um, Psalm 22 is very descriptive of what Jesus went through and David professed that not even knowing what he was saying. You know, there's, there's so much that David said that was just like, wow, this is wisdom. How did you even know that? Or Job, these guys said stuff they just didn't have a clue what it really meant. You know, David's talking about when I was in the womb and how you formed me. How does he even know that? Right? He's not, no, one, no one's got the degree of uh, MRIs and ultrasound and all that kind of stuff that we have today. Well, that's by the Holy Ghost, isn't it? The Spirit of Christ testified the glory that should follow. What's the glory that should follow? We get the new bodies. We're going to be adorned in white raiment. We're going to be abiding in heavenly Jerusalem. We're going to be giving glory to the Almighty. And... We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are glorious, amazing things that we get to partake in. And we read the book of Revelation, and we read it, um, read some of these verses last time I preached. The, the, the elders are standing up, then they're bowing down, and they're, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. They're saying, all glory, all power, all honor be unto the King of kings and Lord of lords. They're declaring this glory at the end. And then unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister things. So let's talk about Revelation for a minute. 
Oh, the red comes through poorly. So the whole New Testament is about revealing. Okay, it's about revealing a mystery. See, Old Testament, it's bound up in the secrets and, and not knowing. Okay, I didn't put it in this discussion, but if you read the notes, there's a section specifically dealing with um, Daniel and Revelation and how Daniel is sealed up, but Revelation was supposed to be unsealed. Isn't that interesting? Actually, the word mystery comes up 27 times in your Bible, only in the New Testament, and it comes up 27 times. How, how many books are in the New Testament, by the way? Do you know how many books there are in the New Testament? So, okay, 27. Yeah, 27 books in the New Testament, same as the bones in your, uh, in your hand, by the way. Right, the little book is sitting in Jesus' right hand. So cool. Um, so there's 27 times the word mystery comes into play, and there's 27 books in the New Testament. That means Revelation is the 27th book of the New Testament. Does anybody know what the 27th book of the Old Testament is? Daniel. Is that an accident? Can't think it is, right? So it's a mystery being revealed. So cool. And it, I've said it before, Jesus is about revealing the mystery. How many times does Paul say, behold, I show you a mystery? I'm going to show it to you. The mysteries are revealed. They're all revealed in the New Testament. There are secrets that are not understood before in the secret place and the secret things and all the secrets. And it's being revealed now. And the opposite is Antichrist who hides things. He makes secrets. He does these things in darkness where in the New Testament we're all about revealing and the light is coming. See the difference? Very different. So, Jesus said, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Now he's talking to his disciples. Who does that get extended to? Disciple means what? Follower of Christ. Are you a follower of Christ? Does that get extended to you? Sure does. We know more, we know more right here than they did when they were listening to him talk. Because we have the whole of the scriptures. They didn't have that yet. It's given to us to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And if you don't know, it's time to get on your knees and ask the Lord, show me, then open your Bible. Will God honor that request? Amen. He will, 100%. Is it immediate? Sometimes it's not. Okay? Might be a year or two later, all of a sudden, you're like, God, why did you show me that? I didn't deserve that. That's amazing. Okay. And oh, I had to start asking God for wisdom in the scriptures, and it was not immediate. But then one day I realized, God, you were showing me profound things in the scriptures. How? Why? So which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. And reported is witnessing, isn't it? Oh, read. <laughs> witnessing. We're also to be reporting and witnessing. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Another verse that captures Gentiles, isn't it? <laughs> That's got us in there too. We get to be witnesses and we get to go out 
and share the knowledge of the gospel to those around us, to those that are in Tanzania, right? It extends out from our small community out to the whole world. The Spirit of Christ preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Ghost. And that actually was supposed to be a slide I had. I didn't mean to have it in there um, because I wanted to talk about it, but time is, is tricky. All right. Let's just uh, recapture a couple of things we talked about. Um, the Old Testament prophets, they were searching for salvation. They prophesied grace. Didn't understand it, but we get to see it. And it was for our benefit. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Christ's first and second coming, he comes first and suffers and dies for our behalf to save us. Second time he comes, he's coming to take us home, collect us, deliver us. The gospel's been revealed to us. That's actually a responsibility. Oh, there's a Spider-Man quote there, I think. With great gospel comes great responsibility. <laughs> okay? Be witnesses of the gospel. Go out and be witnesses of the gospel. And if it helps, just keep sticking your nose into all these kind of verses. Because it helps you to be able to tell the gospel. You know, there was a time where it's like I wouldn't even have a clue how to explain the gospel to somebody. Uh, Jesus came, you know. But if you if you get stuck there, just keep reading those scriptures. They're, they're going to help you. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to have to say. The Holy Spirit will teach it to you, right? But if you're spending time in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, preparing your heart for those things. And wasn't part of my section of verses, but... 1 Peter 13 says, Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ties it all together. Gird up your loins of your mind. Ephesians 6.14 says, Put on the belt of truth. Isn't it? Be sober. Oh, the belt of truth, by the way, is this. Just in case you're wondering. That's about the truth, because God can only say things that are true. He cannot lie, right? There are gods in this world, and I think that was what um, Bob said last week, is that Allah is a deceiver, right? Satan is the deceiver. He's the accuser, where we have a God who cannot lie. He can only tell truth. And he, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Be sober. Each Ephesians 5.18 tells us, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? That's the only way to truly be sober. Is anything else we take in adds confusion, takes us away from focusing on the Lord. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you. And this is the grace we've been talking about. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is it. The revelation of Jesus Christ. He came to save sinners. The Father saved, sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And He's coming again. Is it going to be long? Well, according to men, sure. But what does He say? 
He's not slack concerning his promise, as men call slackness. He's coming soon. And he said, how many times? Behold, I am coming quickly. I am coming soon. I think three times in Revelation 22, at the very end, he says, I'm coming quickly. Get ready. Right? So we look, watch, pray, keep in the word. Amen. Thank you.